The Broken Yoke was established in 2015 by two local brothers. The Broken Yoke's vision is to provide great service, consistent, amazing food, and build relationships with our stakeholders. Their aim is to make everyone feel like they are a part of the family. This is you. The Broken Yoke are big supporters and believers of Kids Sport Calgary. Sports is the foundation of the brothers lean on when it comes to business. When playing a sport, you're practicing a skill that is related to your sport, but more importantly, there are life lessons and life skills to be learned from playing sports. As a company, we have a mission, and that is we use the restaurant as a platform to grow and empower our team and ourselves. We want our team to succeed in life, but most importantly, in life outside of the broken yoke. Because of your support, we are able to grow our company. We know this past year has been challenging, to say the least. So if you have supported us through takeout, dine-in, or even just through social media, we want to thank you, and we are grateful for you, Calgary. Not sure what sports are provided in Calgary? Sport Calgary Sport Directory will help you find the sport and organization that's right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. everyone and welcome back to the face first podcast my name is alicia Rissling. my name is grace dafo and we are back to uh continue our season two um and where we wanted to start with this was that when we started this podcast covid was front and center of everything when we were starting this podcast was it in the fall of last year yeah, like we went I remember going up to Winsport and we were super distanced and it was like the first time I had been to Winsport in an eternity and seeing other people in person like Oh yeah. And we recorded remember we were so far apart with Kevin at the at the end of the boardroom yeah, table. Yeah, I do remember that. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I guess that was around August end, or yeah, September say, sometime. Yeah, but, end of summer. Yeah, COVID was front and center. Yeah, and now that the weather has finally changed and it feels like summer's back and we've come full circle. So starting the second season, it's kind of funny that I didn't really think that this was still going to be something that's front and center to us and and how COVID has affected um, athletics in Canada and what's, uh, as, you know, vaccinations are rolling out and things are starting to open up and we, we it seems like there's a light at the tunnel. Um, we just wanted to talk a little bit about how this has affected athletes in general yeah i mean and and we've we've touched on it a few times in the first season talking about oh where are you live from today and you know i'm live from my hotel quarantine in ottawa you and right before right after christmas and me live in whistler or in quarantine somewhere up in northeast calgary i think that like we really took our show we literally took our show on the road literally i don't think did we record any when you were in europe I think we did one day. You were in Europe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. And I was in isolation in Calgary. So we really, we hit (laughs) Canada, US, and Europe. That is just crazy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I didn't think it'd still be around. And we both endured our fair share of quarantine this year, which isn't the most fun. Um, (laughs) At least I would say. I spent 30 30 days in quarantine. Mm -hmm. You were somewhere over 20. Uh, I was 20 days uh, out of 23. <laughs> um, but so the reason why we brought this up right now is NHL playoffs are in full swing. And there was a lot of talk about what was going to happen when the, when the North team had to meet one of the, the lower divisions, one of the U S divisions. And recently we found out that the NHL has made an exemption that NHL players will be allowed to cross the border. 
Yeah, and so they have to stay within their their team bubble and adhere to all the local public guidelines and that. But any other person who's entering Canada right now has to do the mandatory if you three day three day hotel quarantine right now and then the fourteen days like once you get your negative test from home. So you know, it, it was it's just an interesting debate. Obviously, they're a professional sports team and and they're getting exemptions because it's for the Stanley Cup, but. Knowing many other elite athletes chasing Tokyo 2021 and, you know, they're all over the world and they're not getting exemptions to come back to Canada. So many of them have had to forego coming home to Canada, say before Tokyo. It's just kind of, for me, it was disheartening to see. And I'm sure that someone is working hard at it behind the scenes that we don't know about, but it's yeah. a little bit disheartening. Um, I, I guess as an athlete, <laughs> we've both been in quarantine. So from my perspective, I'm like, please no more. Mm-hmm. Well, and so what I wanted to talk a little bit as as we are gearing up for the Tokyo Games, fingers crossed they they happen. I, I mean, it's it's been said that it's long past the availability of them to be able to cancel it. Um, I'll just talk a little bit about my personal experience, uh, what I had to go through versus um, what I know some summer athletes that are trying to qualify, and what people might not really think about. Um, as you're gearing up to cheer on your favorite athletes going into the next two Olympic games, which will be, you know, kind of back to back within eight months of each other. Um, personally, before I got to go to Europe and uh, again, it was a small price to pay for the opportunity to go to Europe, but my whole season is usually when I compete on the world cup tour, it's two, uh, three or four races in North America and then, uh, six, or five or six races in, in Europe. That's usually a typical season for us. Um, in the uh, year of 2018 with the Korean Olympics, we spent the last month of it in Korea. So it wasn't quite as much time in Europe, but, um, there's always an advantage for everyone to compete on your home court or your home ice. And for us, that's mainly Whistler with the Calgary track being closed. However, I did have a race on it back in 2019 um, before they shut it down permanently. Um, and you know, it's easy to do well on your home track or I wouldn't say easy. Sorry. That was a dumb explanation, but yeah, it's a little bit more, you feel more comfortable being home for your home races. And for myself, and I, I think you might even agree with me that you almost feel at home when you're on the States tracks as well, the American tracks. Well, I mean, and and part of it is just that Europe has a obviously different culture and sliding culture is so different in Europe Mm -hmm. as well, but it's also expensive to get to you when you do make the trip over to Europe, um, especially as on the lower circuits, like on Europa cup, or we have the intercontinental cup, which is like an in-between between development and world cup. You know, you, if you're flying to Europe, you're trying to get as many European races under your belt as you can or training weeks. Cause sometimes they leave random weeks in between that's meant for the European based athletes to go, to go back, home, to go home, yeah. but you're stuck in Europe. So then you find another track to train at or another place to stay or something. And it turns into a long haul away from home. And, um, you know, then they come over to North America for those three, two or three races. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't go home for three weeks. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a different experience, obviously, because our sport is very, your our the head office for international bobsleigh skeleton is, is in Europe. So, you know, it's a little bit of different perspective for us, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I prefer racing, I guess I shouldn't say I prefer, but like all the North American tracks have like a sense of home now because I've spent so much time there. And the biggest thing for me is when we compete in, uh, on the American tracks, 
I've been there quite a bit because in your early years, you spend most of the time on the North America's Cup, so you're more familiar with them. But American culture is very similar to ours in that, you know, we have access to similar food. Most of the food that I would eat if I'm on the road at home, I can still eat on the road in the States, and I'd argue sometimes even better. Cafe yes. Rio in, in Salt Lake City. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> when I get to Europe and all they serve me is fried pork and potatoes, and I have a calorie deficit that I need to be in for the race that week, it makes it very difficult. Um, also, European beds. Everybody sleeps in really small single beds that are right beside each other, whereas if you stay in a North American hotel, you're at a Best Western or wherever you're at, you at least get you know a queen size bed and even though you're sharing your room with someone it doesn't feel like you're sleeping in the same bed as them so just little comfort things that we're really accustomed to that um maybe don't afford the same luxury when we're in europe and and that's very specific to um the sliding sports i'm not i can't speak for all the other sports but what i can speak for is that um a lot of athletes and by a lot of athletes i mean almost everybody i know had to leave last year to go compete. There was, other than curling and professional sports, um, there wasn't really any events held. Oh, I think we did have some freestyle mogul skiing up at Winsport. But yeah, that was one of, let's say, under four. Everyone else had to leave and go to another winter nation. Most athletes had to leave uh, and not even just winter. Yeah, I guess. Summer, yeah. yeah um, had to leave to go compete because we were all, because of the Canadian quarantine rules where everybody had to quarantine for 14 days, Alberta was able to make an exemption for some of them that made it a week, I think, or six days. And then that was kiboshed by the federal government. Yeah. Because yeah. I made it home from the U.S. right before that came into place. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, you still had to like avoid some places for 14 days, but mm-hmm. at least after seven, I could like be in public, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously wearing a mask and all those guidelines, but yeah, now it's the full 14 and the first you have to pay for the first three days to be in a hotel. Yeah. And, and even athletes coming to train or compete here were were not able to receive exemptions. So I spent last summer trying to get ready for a season after missing a year due to injury and watching on my Instagram, watching my competitors, mostly the European ones, I'll say, um, business as usual, because even though COVID was a huge thing in their countries as well, like no one was exempt to this, this illness, um, they had exemptions for their government where they granted special status. And that was recognized in us when we flew, when my team flew to Germany, we landed in Frankfurt. We did not have to quarantine. This country itself had a a federal quarantine mandate in place. I believe it was five days. But we did not have to quarantine because we had an official letter from their government saying we were there for sport and we were invited into the country. So we had to arrive with a negative COVID test. We had to get one when we arrived. Totally fair. Understandable. I ended up getting uh, 16 COVID tests in seven weeks. Um, Really felt good in my brain when all those things were tickling up in my nose. But... Um, but I was still able to cross borders. I was still able to compete. I was still able to do my job. Whereas when I was at home, um, we weren't exempt from anything. I didn't see my trainer for, was it three months straight? Unless you were logged in and did a virtual training session for my garage. And we ran like alone, not in our sprinting group. I didn't think we got back to like maybe July. It was July. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that's outdoors. So, and distance. So like, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're putting precautions in place, but at some point you have to see your coach when running as fast as you can to be hundreds of seconds faster down the track is important. (laughs) Absolutely. And, and that I think honestly played a a huge role. Our previous episode, we just talked about mental health, like in, 
confidence is a big part of that because you're like, you're showing up to a competition that you know everyone else is ready for, but you feel like you've been held back from. Um, and even though I think I was in a position where I could have done really well, I think in the back of my brain, there was always that little voice. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's specific to me and that, that's, that's my problem, of course. But, um, I know that right now, um, it's kind of do or die for a couple of these summer athletes trying to last minute qualify for Tokyo. And, um, I have a couple examples of summer athletes that are, uh, you know, not only are they facing issues in that, um, for instance, in, tra- in Canadian track and field, you qualify for the Olympics. First and foremost, you have to make the Canadian Olympic standard. So whatever your sport is, say you're a, a, a long distance runner, the marathon, for example, there's a certain time you have to hit. Now, if a bunch of Canadian athletes hit that certain time, then it comes down to a race within the athletes because they only can send a certain amount of them to the games. Um, and in some cases, like I know for the sprinters, um, that standard to hit is really high. Like it's, it's like you're on, we're only sending you to the Olympic games if, um, you are a medal potential. Now the best thing for athletes and, uh, well, what athletes need the most is the opportunity to hit that standard. Now, if we haven't had any events in Canada, um, you, are looking for races outside that you can set yourself up to be successful in so that you can hit that standard. And I know there's a lot of stress right now on, in particularly track and field, because they have this huge nationals coming up. That's kind of like the last opportunity for a lot of athletes to hit that standard. But in the meantime, they could have been in the U S um, attending meets. There have been meets and meets and meets. And- well, and a lot of them are. So upon returning, you know, a lot of them are are trying to come back and they're going to have to do the two week, a full two week quarantine, unless there's something we don't know about that's been worked out, but every athlete I've talked about. And so (laughs) this, yeah, like, like imagine going into nationals and you have just spent two two full weeks in in your house. house. Like, I mean, some sports you can do some stuff, but like a marathon, you example, (laughs) like you can't get the miles that you need on a treadmill because it's just not the same. Not Running the same. isn't the same on a treadmill versus no. the road. Yeah. Yeah. So like just a little bit of food for thought for people who maybe aren't aware about how the qualification process works that, you know, athletes are literally desperate and some of them are just doing a, what they can afford. Um, not everyone can afford to go spend three months in Europe and attend multiple meets. Or the States. Or yeah. State, yeah. Anywhere. Or, um, and, and some of them, like genuine concern for their health that they end up traveling to a meet and they get COVID and they get stranded there. Um, there, there's been a lot of issues that, um, athletes haven't been really exempt to. And, and it just seems like to me as a person kind of in the mix, it seems like the Canadians seem to have the, a tough time with it. And I'm not saying not any other country does, but it seems like we really have a tough time. And I mean, that's obviously our perspective because we're in Canada, but yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I, I did a brief little intro in the intro to season two. Um, I ended up having COVID about, a, uh, you know, after I got home from the season, I caught it at home, not traveling abroad, which I'm very thankful for. But I, the actual reasoning it is, is that like when I was traveling, you know, you're under the province and or state level of restrictions you are in the country's restrictions you were in so u.s versus canada Mm -hmm. you were then also under your national sport organization's 
structure. So for me, for us, for bobsled Canada skeleton, we had our own rules at every training camp, every race that we had to follow on top of that. If it's an international race, you had your international bobsled skeleton federation rules. And then on top of that, you have the local facility, which generally aligns obviously with the regional area, but like you were under so many things, so many layers of guidelines. So many layers of red tape, (laughs) of red tape and guidelines and COVID tests, as you said, quarantine, by no means are we complaining, but, um, like complaining because we were very privileged to, you know, have the opportunity to compete and and we had to make those sacrifices for that. But it's funny that the moment that I stopped doing all that, I ended up getting COVID. And, but, you know, I think what I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, I can't, like, I'm so lucky I got all early in the off season because um, I can't imagine a Tokyo athlete as well, getting it right now Mm -hmm. in a country abroad and like it ruining your fitness or for me, my lungs, like it, Anyways, I just want to clarify, we're not like saying, oh, we should be open and no masks and no quarantine, blah, blah, blah. No, but no, no, you know, there's, there's a balance and, um, no, and if anything, we just, we just want to make light or make people aware of, cause I, you know, I've had this conversation, um, with a lot of my friends lately and, and especially cause people are talking more and more about Tokyo, um, and that, yeah, I, I have to say, and everyone's, I think everyone's just really looking forward to have something to celebrate and look forward yeah. to. And, and, you know, I, this is my favorite thing about Canada is we are such a diverse nation. Um, we have so, we celebrate so many cultures here, so many different ways of life, so many, like we're proud of being, a a, a melting pot and, and having that diversity. Um, but the one thing that seems to really make us patriotic that really brings us together is when we when the olympics come around do you notice that oh totally and i like i've grown up watching the olympics and i can think of someone from every olympic cycle that's kind of been like like my standout moment and um yeah i I agree i think it's in our fabric and ever since vancouver like the culture shifted a little bit like yeah that was the tipping point yeah i think that now like our generation for yeah i should say yeah for because montreal i think was a really big one back i can i i my friend's mom i remember having a conversation with her um about the montreal olympics and just how that kind of changed her perspective at the time and i think that was um that was really but for our you're right for our generation it's kind of like it revamped that that feeling that that patriotism because Canadians aren't necessarily known as being patriotic. So that's why I just wanted to speak a little bit about just making people aware that when you watch the Olympic games, um, and you, you cheer for team Canada, please cheer extra hard because the, that we're going to need it more than ever. And, um, just circling back to, if you listen to our previous episode, we talked a lot about mental health and, you know, scrutiny in the media. And, um, I, my biggest fear for a lot of athletes, especially coming up and going to Tokyo. And honestly, as a winter athlete, I'm like, thank God they're going first. But, um, I think if there is a lot of situations where maybe Canadian athletes don't perform as people expect them to, um, just know that they might've had an extra hurdle along their way at, at minimum. And yeah, that's a good point. Be kind be when you kind. see them and be proud that they persevered and they got there because I just, 
and again, I, I'm so proud of some of our, our fellow Kidsport um, ambassadors. Haley Daniels just qualified. Woo woo! Yeah, so proud of her. And, and like she, she's in Poland because, and she couldn't get like her story is incredible. Actually, we better get her on and have her tell her story how she. We'll qualified. have her come on after she gets back from Tokyo because I believe she has gone straight through until after the game. Yeah, so. she doesn't have a chance to come home. Because so we'll she can't we'll get her on and we can continue this conversation yeah. about. That's the a, stresses of being away from home. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really a, it's a really an important point. Um, I guess uh, not like it almost does add a, add this extra layer of the positive the positive of media, and it's that like you look at Damian Warner, who was just a few points off the nine thousand decathlon eight eight whatever eight, nine nine five. Yeah, and yeah. like one of the top five best scores in decathlon, and he trained in an unheated arena with basically constructed they like unrolled track and like stuff like that all until he got over obviously to compete what a great story that's it's like so amazing it's so inspirational like yeah yeah so (laughs) i think that it does have this added layer of perseverance and we're all gonna have these fun stories about the zoom workouts and stuff but Mm -hmm. it is frustrating (laughs) and hopefully we're not the only ones that feel that (laughs) yeah so i mean going back to the nhl now what what is your opinion about them being exempt from quarantine or maybe just weigh the odds a little bit weigh, well see, i show mean both sides i nhl is obviously i there's so much like there's so much more money involved right. you know there's not as much money involved at the coc level as there is at the ios at the international olympic committee level Correct. so like to me there's just so much money riding on the nhl and obviously the nhl I feel like a lot of them are on, are in America that run the executives and stuff. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's just money's involved. You know, they're starting, you see fans in the States, the arenas are packed. You know, we're starting to get there. We had 550 people at the Leafs game watching. There's 2,500 the, at the Montreal game though. And yeah, game six. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, it's a tough one. I'm happy for them. And I think, I don't think that you can like celebrate one and be mad. Like, you know, they're not together. Right. You can advocate for both because it's an apple to an orange. That's a good point. But yeah. at the root of it, we are all athletes and they're athletes too. And it does seem slightly unfair that that they're allowed, that they're exempt, but they're not exempting Olympic and Paralympic athletes. It, you know, I think it just... But like I said, I'm hopeful that there's stuff going on behind the scenes we don't know about and they're working on it so that... like. We don't have to quarantine. Maybe when we come back in the fall, that would be great. That would be life-changing. Although I don't get to come back in the fall at all. Well, okay. Like, (laughs) I guess come back, fingers crossed, after the games. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, like, it would suck to come home from... No, you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, that's it, a good way of putting it. After 30 days in quarantine, I think I posted on Instagram last week. I was like, fingers crossed for no more quarantine. But, um... I'm not, I'm not hopeful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we'll see what it is. And uh, uh, the biggest one for us will be our team rules. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I have the same opinion. It's, it seems from a personal level, I kind of want to like cross my arms and stomp my feet. Like, it's not fair. Why do they get to do it? We didn't. But, um, at the end of the day, I'm as a, as an NHL fan, I'm, I can't wait to, uh, have those guys come back and, and get to play at home and actually let the Canadian teams have a great chance. Yeah. Great point. Okay. Let's wrap it there. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Thank you everybody so much for tuning in. This is the face first podcast. We'll see you next time. See ya.